And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. So I'm here today with my good friend and repeat visitor to the show, John Fazio Jr., or as I like to call him, the Faz. Kind of like the Fonz, but cooler for all you kids who know what the Fonz is. Some people are probably watching this going, the Fonz, what's a Fonz? Do you know what the Fonz is? You're not not too young for I don't know how young your audience is, but I would assume that most of your audience understands who the Fonz was. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So this is our Thanksgiving special. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, John. Hope you you had a safe celebration, probably solo celebration. You already told me that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I stayed safe. I just uh, stayed at home. Yeah, us too. We, we had small. What's up? Just a small Thanksgiving here with us. Just immediate family. No, no guests. Sad, but good. You know, it's hopefully next year we'll be out of this and back with our families and friends. So, John, today I wanted to talk to you. You were on last time and we kind of covered a lot of ground and, yep. and you know, a lot of introduction. I'm not going to introduce you this time. I think, you know, people can go back and, well, I'll give you a little bit of an introduction. John Fazio <laughs> from, from Zorus Incorporated. Um, and also, John has tons and tons of sales experience. He used to be a trainer for Sandler Training. And you're welcome to elaborate on that a little bit. But I wanted to talk about objections today and question, you know, really get to, um, I I think getting people to tell the truth is like one of the hardest things in the world. It's even, you know, object, forget about objections for a minute. Like, let's think about how people answer questions, um, whether they're in the beginning of the sales process or at the end when they say no to your service or when they later quit becoming a, you know, you know, somebody quits your service and they go, well, you know, thank you. We've been a client for a while and we're not going to be a client anymore because of whatever. And, yeah. and nine times out of 10, it's not the truth. People lie. Let's so uh, to start out with, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about why the heck do people mm-hmm. not tell the truth? You know, they, they used to tell the story of, um, you know, when you were a kid and you went and you asked your mom, for a cookie. And basically, you know, mom turned around and said that, uh, you know, uh, dinner's coming soon. You know, you can't have the cookie. And that was sort of the the immediate, you wanted something, you know, you couldn't get it. And then you went up the next day and, you know, said the same thing. And I have a cookie. And she's like, you know, we're having dinner soon. And then it started changing where you didn't necessarily ask if you can have a cookie. The next question was, you know, when's dinner kind of thing. So I think from, a, from you know, early on, we are sort of molded into, you know, especially when somebody asks us a question, what the basis behind it is. And I think that we very quickly go to the answers that we just, you know, have typically always had. I mean, on the on the sales side of it, though, you know, it's a trust factor also. Um, if I was having a conversation with you, you know, as a friend or I was having a conversation with, you know, friend, family, you wouldn't be thinking about, well, what is the reason for that question? And should I, you know, put something up there? Like, should I not tell them what the actual answer is? So there's absolutely a trust factor there in sales in general that, you know, you have to sort of overcome in order to get somebody to be honest with you. 
which you know kind of means that you have to build that trust in the beginning before you can expect them to you know actually be honest with you and, and open up yeah you know and the other, people don't want to hurt other people's feelings either there there's an inherent thing there right like i think we're, we're kind of hardwired to not want to necessarily tell somebody you've you've messed up or you did this wrong or you made me angry so many times and your service is terrible or whatever 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 right they just go you know i i and i'm talking this could be during the sales process i'm talking specifically about when somebody decides to not be your client anymore mm-hmm. um what how do you break through that kind of you know in in the questioning process how do you get people to actually answer those tough questions honestly you know i think it's it's going to be a certain person that's going to speak up it's kind of like that restaurant aspect of it where you know, I don't know what the percentage of people that won't speak up when they have a bad, you know, time at a restaurant, they just won't go back to the restaurant. Yeah. You know, it is sort of that mentality where there's people that won't speak up and then just won't go back. I mean, I'm I'm actually one of those people, like in general, I, I, I understand the sales process, like, you know, understand sales in general, where you're constantly like even at a restaurant environment, like they're trying to sell you on the restaurant and the atmosphere and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it eventually gets to the point where, you, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you take those things in and then, I mean, as far as honesty and things like that, I think, I think it's going to be a person that will come out there and say it. Now, everybody else, you kind of have to have this kind of open communication and, you know, you may be able to kind of talk about this on the parenting side of it too, because I mean, if you think about it, it's the same kind of thing where you have a parent and child, right? Where, you know, the parents could ask a child the question, the child's not going to necessarily answer it, you know, exactly because they don't exactly know what the thing is behind it. So like as a parent, I would assume that you try to just keep an open communication where, listen, anytime that you want to say something to me, whether it's good or bad, I just want to let you know that you can come to me and say it to me. And I think as salespeople, we should definitely let you know prospects know that too, where, listen, if this isn't the right thing, or if I say something wrong or, or anything like that, you know, it kind of goes back to that upfront contract where it's okay to say no to me. It's okay to say I did something wrong. It's okay to, you know, to yell at me. You know, it's perfectly fine in this relationship because, you know, I'm here for you kind of thing. So like, I think right in the beginning, when you establish that there is clearly that line of communication for them, it opens the door a little bit more. But I think majority of people are sort of in that, you know, kind of pool where, they're just not going to say anything to you. They're just going to walk away and you're just not, you know, you're never going to know because you didn't have that openness. Right. Right. I want to say hi to a couple of people as uh, take a breath here. Say hi to Randy Chaffee. Hey, Randy. He's going to be a guest on our show next week. He's a sales professional as well. Eric Bam. Hey, Eric. Eric was guest last week on the show. What's up, man? Uh, so hello to all you guys listening, watching and, um, John, you used to work at Sandler as a trainer. You did Sandler training for a long time. Um, and you mentioned the upfront contract, which is a Sandler training principle. I want to talk a little bit about what that is and how that works. Um, so so let, yeah, let, me, let me kind of pass it on to you to, to talk about the upfront contract. I was going to ask you another question attached to that, but I'm going to actually put the brakes on that. I mean, so. there is like a... a 
an, an actual format as far as you know when they talk about something like an upfront contract but the, i think the reality is you know it's it's just letting somebody know right up front you know what the agenda so the way the physical like the the way that the sandler upfront contract goes is basically you're checking things like time and if there's other people that are going to be joining him there's reasons for you know all the things that you're doing in the beginning but one of the first things you're trying to do is establish what their um, agenda is so what's the reason for them what do they want to get out of this call and then the second one is your agenda which again for salespeople, there's sort of this you know mystification that i don't want to give you too much you don't want to put my cards on and, and you know at the end of this demo that's when we're going to do the sales part of it like there, there is sort of that game that people typically play. So when a salesperson come out and say, listen, at the end of this, this is what I'm going to ask you for. Like, I'm going to ask for either a sale or I'm going to ask for this. This is what it's going to look like. And at the end of this, if you feel like this isn't something you want to do, tell me no. And it's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, I talk to people all day long. And if it doesn't work between us, I just want to let you know I'm cool with that. We can shake hands and walk away. And the idea behind the upfront contract is it's supposed to, you know, kind of take that that wall down pretty quickly where let's just throw it out on the table right in the beginning. One of the other examples that I make with an upfront contract, especially for a salespeople is fears that we typically have to throw it out in the beginning, which if you feel you're going into a meeting in a fear of something fear that, you know, they're going to think of you as young or old or whatever it is, you throw that stuff right in the beginning and just talk about it, get past it. So this way, as a salesperson, like you're not holding those fears. You're not, you know, anything that you thought about prior to it, you put it out on the table. So when you go into that kind of questioning mode, you're not holding anything back, which, you know, is essentially what an upfront contract is. Right. Yeah. The, uh, and, and I guess, you know, the, the, the thing of it is you can't stress that it's going to work a hundred percent of the time because oh, yeah, nothing's yeah. going to work. You're not going to sell a hundred percent of the people. Right. Like, so it just is what it is. When, when you ask somebody something and how, how much do you push? Like, cause you know, you, you kind of get a feeling when you're, when you're asking somebody a question, sometimes they're, that they're, you, you can get a feeling that they're they're not necessarily telling you the truth, not that they're lying or even purposefully lying. Right. Because they're sitting across the table as the buyer and yep. they know that we're playing a game. We're doing a dance. Yep. Right. You are the salesperson. And my job is to not let you know the things that you need to hear to make make a sale at the maximum amount of money. Right. Like I, I may still want to buy from you as as a as a buyer but I want to get the best price and I don't want to reveal too much because I don't want to give you ammunition to convince me to you know, throw all sorts of money at you. Right. Like how do you, how do you deal with, with that when you know that that's the case and you're, you're trying to walk gingerly over pushing too hard. How do you? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's sort of two things there. So first off, like sales is supposed to really qualifying. A salesperson is really supposed to be qualifying that person, whether the product or whatever they're selling is something that they want, you know, whether it be that they can actually, it's, it's something that you're solving on their end. It's, you know, um, they can afford it. You know, there's qualifications that you're doing there, but then, you know, one of the, um, one of the Sandler's, uh, Orland Sandler trainers kind of talks about these, you know, kind of three seconds of guts, which for a salesperson, if you're feeling something is weird in the conversation, if you're feeling that they're holding back on something, if you're feeling that there's something going on there, you know, the thought pattern is that you're saying it where, you know, it, it, it feels like you're holding back on something, you know, what's going on? Like, let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Typically, this is, you know, when I start having this feeling, this is usually why. 
or you're you're really just having this honesty with your prospect where you know it's sort of unfortunate that we say this where we're actually having honesty with your prospect because you know in the sales world like honesty is sort of that fine line right because you know salespeople just think that they're out there to to sell or whatever like if we actually look at it where I'm having a conversation with you know another human being and I'm just qualifying whether my product or service is something that they can utilize, you know, need, and then at the end of the day have a good experience with, like it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Like I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm literally just asking you some questions to qualify you. I mean, that's really where I think sales took a, a, a turn is where people thought that they need to manipulate the conversation and hold things back and like, you know, be this. I don't know, this sinister salesperson that is like trying to suck on people and get all their money when it should just be a, a simple conversation at the end of the day. Can you, can you share some kind of strategies for asking better questions? Because I think that's a lot of it comes down to asking the right questions in the right places. And I know this is a broad, broad question. We can yeah. probably talk for hours on this, but one of the things that I've that I've learned and I've seen over the years is that some people are just really good at asking really good questions and some people are not really good at asking really good questions. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the, the 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 idea here is or the question to start with is how do you ask? How do you learn how to ask better questions? I think the answer is that is how do you learn how to listen instead of talking? Because that's one of the biggest things about salespeople too, where, you know, I have this in my mind where like when somebody's talking, typically my mind's usually moving, which is either thinking about what I can throw to the conversation, you know, connecting it with something that I have going on, you know, whatever it is, they're listening to that sound in the background, whatever it is. One of the biggest things that a salesperson can learn how to do is, is listen, which is actually pay attention to what they're saying to you and see where those things are. Because as you said before, you know, they may not in the first response or even the second response actually give you what the real answer is. But as a salesperson, if you're listening to it, if you're listening to the nuance, if you're listening to them saying something small and you're coming back and then you're using, you know, exactly what they said and you're digging a little bit deeper, it's that listening aspect of it. I think people miss where the assumption is I'm supposed to, you know, it's kind of the walk in there, spit up a bunch of information, sell you, you know, this great thing and walk away. And the best salespeople are the ones that could just shut up and listen and pay attention to what they're saying. And that's where those organic questions are supposed to really come up. You know, the, the best thing a salesperson can do is just be sort of inquisitive about that person in front of them. You know, have that just I, I'm going to ask you a question just because you're a human being and you're in front of me. And, you know, that's cool to learn about somebody and those kind of organic things develop. But I think listening is a big problem with people in general, you know, let alone salespeople. Yeah. And, you know, salespeople, I, I mean, obviously I know a lot of salespeople, Eric and Randy, who are on commented before are really, really good salespeople. They're really, um, and people, I think people in the sales field in general go into sales because they're really good at, um, speaking and they can talk well, they maybe talk a lot. And, and this is not to say, that I'm not making fun of anybody. I make fun of myself. Sometimes I don't shut up and, and, you know, because I like talking, I like to hear, you know, that's why I got attracted to, to doing this in the first place, because I'm a social person. I like being around people. I like, um, I like talking, right? Like I think everybody does. And, and I had to really discipline myself to learn how to shut up. And so what are some strategies for learning how to shut up? <laughs> Cause it's easier said than done, right? 
Yeah, one of the um, one of the things that stuck with me was, you know, the, the one of the Sandler's philosophy is that you're a sales psychiatrist, which, you know, you think about that psychiatrist role and that, you know, that really stuck with me because that's really what we're supposed to be doing. You know, you're going in there and you're asking questions to try to develop what the real story is. And that's how a psychiatrist typically does it is, you know, they're not coming in there and telling you, you know, how long they've been doing it, you know, psychiatry for. They're not telling you all the, you know, um, the patients that they've had. They're just sitting there and asking you questions. And that in itself is supposed to be the where you gather that information from. So, again, understanding your role is supposed to be gathering information by you talking you're not really gathering much information. Like one of the biggest things that they said was there's the 70 30 rule, which 70% of the time your prospect should be talking, which in a sense is, you know, sometimes not typical in, you know, a, a sales demo or a prospect to salesperson thing, but 70% of the time they should be talking to you. So you're really understanding that person. Interesting. And you, you know, you've done a lot of training. I've been in some of your sessions and I've watched and I, and, and I've, I've, I've been in plenty of sales trainings with other people. And I, it's, it's amazing how, um, the trainer can teach that concept, like can literally say, you know, we're going to practice now some role playing and, and you're just going to listen. And, and they literally person is, is just immediately goes and starts talking. It's like, you're watching them do it. And you're like, did you not just hear what they just told you? That's how hard it is. <laughs> you know, if you, um, I actually say this to, uh, um, you know, the salespeople that I work with, which is like, go online and look up interview skills, which is basically what it is, interviewing. And go and look at the really good interviewers out there, which, you know, if you go, you know, news interviewers, mm -hmm. like the really top interviewers, learn from them. Because it goes back to these people, interviewers are typically same kind of thing. They have to break down the person a little bit in the beginning so that they can be honest with them throughout the interview itself. So it's very, you know, there's a direct correlation to just that, you know, understanding sales and then understanding that interview process, especially for news people where these are high ranking, you know, presidents and things like that, that they're supposed to have a one on one conversation with. They very much have to put themselves in the same position as them. You know, you have to like if I'm working with a, a CEO of a billion dollar company, like I'm clearly not a CEO of a billion dollar company, but I need to put myself in the same line as you. So then we can communicate the same way. You know, again, it goes back to like the interviewer, the interviewee, we're on the same level here. So when I ask you a question, I want you to answer it, you know, with honesty. So I would say those kind of things is really where you should mimic the really good interviewers, you know, would be great salespeople because that's what they're able to do is, is open somebody up and actually get to the core, which is, you know, would be great. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. And, and, you know, I think when you, sometimes when you watch these talk shows, like, you know, I, I think about, I watch like the Graham Norton show a lot on, yeah. on Facebook. I, I found it on Facebook and I, I find him fascinating, but he's, cause he's so good and he'll probably say it's the champagne. If you're familiar with the show, the <laughs> yeah. show, I think alcohol tends to, maybe we should tell people to bring alcohol with them to sales presentations. Easy I mean, it could up. definitely change some things, <laughs> but it, it, he's so great at asking amazing questions. And that's the really, that really is um, that really, I, I like that advice. I, 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 you know, just being a host of a, of a show like this, right? Like mm -hmm. being online and, and bringing you on and interviewing you. 
I, I always wonder, like, am I asking the best questions? And, and anybody listening is welcome to tell me, hey, you should have asked a better better question or here's what here. I wish you asked this here because I'm always looking to improve my my interviewing skills because I think that's so it's such a hard thing to do. I, I look at it like this in in this format, what we're doing here, as well as selling it is it's a chess match. Yep. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm playing checkers or and I'm sure other people feel that way. You know, instead of playing chess, you're playing checkers. And what I mean is you're you're, you're making a move while thinking about the next move. Uh, Robin Cole asking about Graham Norton. Graham, uh, look up the Graham Norton show. Just do a Google search on the Graham Norton show. It's a British talk show. And uh, I, I found it on Facebook. Uh, and now once you click on a video on Facebook, they show you everything. So I, I, all I see is Graham Norton show. Episode. Well, I'll throw in, um, Sean Evans from hot ones. I don't know if you've seen hot ones, but yeah, he's, a great, yeah. Problems. he's good. And I think that th it goes back to the reason why he's so good is his research. So like, again, kind of as a salesperson, the beauty would be if you had some time to research them. And that's sort of social selling where you're going on LinkedIn, you're seeing what school they went to, you know, you're having that kind of connection in the beginning where, oh, I saw that you're connected with this person. And, you know, those simple ways in the beginning to sort of break some things down. So like research is amazing because it gives you that much more to ask questions where if things die down and everything. I mean, it, you know, it's so there's so many different correlations between sales and like even something as simple as dating. I mean, that's basically what it is like, right? You're on the first date, you're trying to come up with a conversation. If you did a little bit of research about, you know, the person that you were with, you may be able to say, Hey, I saw that you went to this, or I saw that you went to this. Like, it's really that thing. It's, it's that building trust, building a sort of relationship in a matter of minutes. You know, that's basically what it is, especially on something like a, a cold call. So there's an art to it. And the date is a great analogy because if you think about it as a date and going back to what I was saying about playing chess and playing checkers, right? The checker player goes on a date and is immediately trying to get the other person to go back <laughs> to home with them and, and sleep with them, right? Yeah. The chess player is, is making slow moves, right? You don't go from point A to point Z. You have to go from point A to point B and, and move down those, make those logical steps. Yeah. And if you even think about that, you know, on a date, you're going to walk up to, you know, you're going to sit down on a date and you're going to start saying how great you are. You know, we've been around for this long and, and I have this and I have this and I have this. Like, just think about that. The other person's going to be like, they're purely not paying attention. Like, it's the same kind of thing on a sales call where if you go in there and you just start talking about yourself in the beginning and how great you are and how great your product is and like just sit there and spit up information, you have to think about the same kind of thing. The person on the other side of that table is like, who is this person? Like, why do I really care kind of thing? So like, it's just kind of understanding that you're there to understand that person. Right. I, I love that. That Do you have any kind of, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about social selling. That's, that's great advice. I love that. I, I'd like to take it further if we can than the simple things, right? Like it's easy to go out and do some research and find simple connections, but how do you dig deeper so that you can get them past just that kind of introductory point. I mean, if you don't have the access to go get like information to find out about them. It just, I guess I'm not asking the question, right? Which yeah, we're talking about questioning and I'm not asking a good question. Shame on me. Um, I hear, you know, I, I, 
more than just, hey, I, we went to the same school, like how do you connect the dots between what you can find online and, and dig deeper, right? Like I think some of that stuff is great foot in the door stuff. Like, oh, I see you, you know, the you live in, in Minnesota. I, I um, you know, I hear there's good this in Minnesota or something, you know, the, yeah. I think some part of it, you can make a mistake and, and almost like, asking something that's that doesn't matter right like oh how's yeah, the weather yeah. it's cold in minnesota like you know yeah, yeah, you don't want to throw too much fluff in there um it really goes back to the listening aspect of it you're you know even in the simple questions that you're asking somebody and we can even you know role play at this point but it's listening to what they come back with and you know you sort of you can kind of see or read in between the lines of what's important to them um, by the things that they're saying back to you. And like going back to the original conversation that we had the first um, you know, episode about the uh, personality styles. So like kind of understanding something like personality styles will sort of help you understand, you know, where they may actually want to pay attention to. Like if you catch somebody is, you know, on that kind of D personality style, like maybe they want to get right to the point and they don't want that fluff in the beginning. Like, I don't want to talk about the weather. Like I want to get right to the point. And my situation is, you know, how is this going to help us grow? Like, so you can sort of, you know, direct the conversation in a way that if you understand a certain personality style, it will help you see what's going to perk them up. Um, and it really just goes back to listening, you know, asking a question and then listening to really how they're coming back, the tone, what they're saying, and then sort of read in between the lines of, is that important to you? Well, let's talk about that. Like one of the beauty that Sandler had is called the, the pain funnel, which is just a set of questions to try to get you down to, you know, as we said, like try to get down to the real point of what the conversation is. And that could happen organically again, by sort of seeing where they're having that conversation. Is it about growth? Is it about their people? Is it about, um, you know, process? Like, what is the responses that they're giving to you? So then you can then, you know, put that back to them so you can see whether that's yeah, what, what they care about. Right. Okay. So you, you talked a lot about, um, you made some good analogies that, that I think are, are the, the, the idea of, of going and looking at good interviewers. That was great. Do you have any other resources that you recommend, like books or trainings? I know, obviously, Sandler training, but any anything that you direct people to that that help with questioning, help with getting people to ask, you know, to to this training on listening and and all the things we kind of talk about. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of great videos on YouTube. Um, you know, interview skills, um, kind of learning, uh, you know, communication things like that, and that consistent you know, having communication with people, I think what I would say the most that you can learn from is picking up the phone and talking to somebody. Um, there's, there's really, you know, you can sit there and look at books as much as you want and you could sit there and, you know, look as much um, as you can, but it's actually getting out there and doing it. Uh, what was the question? So when you sense withdrawal hesitation, the part of the prospect, what do you suggest? I suggest you say something. You know, I'm, feel, I'm feeling that, there, that, that there's some hesitation here. So let's talk about that. Like, again, it, it kind of goes back to like, it's a gutsy move from a salesperson to do that because the typical salesperson won't. So it's that kind of five seconds or three seconds of guts where you're going to ask a question that they may not have ever been asked before, which is like, is this really something that you want? You know, you feel a little bit of hesitation. Was it something that I did? You know, salespeople can easily say that. Like it, it may, it feels like there's something that I just said that didn't go the right way. So if you wouldn't mind, can we just talk about that before we move on? And that's a gutsy move, but you know, that's how you break through. Love it. 
Good stuff. Well, thanks, John, for 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 that. Um, yeah. Tell people how they can get in touch with you and what you're all about. Uh, yeah, so jfazio at zorastech.com is the work email. Um, it's John at uh, John Fazio Jr. outside of that. Um, you know, I, I also do sales training on the side. Uh, I, I don't work for Sandler anymore, but, um, you know, I do one-on-one stuff. But So if you're interested in, in expanding the conversation, absolutely reach out. Zorus Tech is the company that I work for. We have some amazing security products for specifically for MSPs. So we'd love an opportunity to, you know, ask you some questions, try to figure you out and see if our product is something that may work for your end users. Love it. And you are listening to the Elevating IT podcast. I would suggest you go over to auditforit.com slash elevating IT if you want to get all those old episodes, all the past episodes that we're accumulating. We've got a bunch on there now. Um, and follow us, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. John, last question I'm going to ask you because we're really trying to, um, you know, talk to a lot of sales experts and, and bring bring a lot of folks and different perspectives onto this show, you know, you're in the channel um, and you're a sales expert. You're not only are you a sales professional doing it, you're a sales trainer. So that adds a whole awesome layer on there. And I'm going to have you on again. I'm sure you're going to be a repeat repeat customer for the show here. Thank you. Repeat (laughs) guest. Um, The question is, who else would you suggest I bring on? Do you have any suggestions of anybody that you think would be a good guest on this show? That is a good question. Um, there's a lot of, you know, really good salespeople out there. You know, when when you look at something like LinkedIn, kind of going back to the social media aspect of it, you know, I think a lot of MSPs, especially a lot of MSPs that I talk to, wish that they were doing more when it comes to things like social media and actually getting information out there. Um, so, you know, those people that are doing it, I think should, should be the ones that we're kind of highlighting. Um, so, I mean, I could probably throw you a few people, but there's, um, you know, when you go on LinkedIn, you see MSPs that are trying to put out information and resources to other MSPs, I think are just gold. And it kind of shows the people that are, are trying to help other MSPs. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a MSP from South Africa on on Monday of this week, ended up coming in through the website. And, you know, we're, we're not set up to do anything in South Africa, but the conversation I had with him was, you know, do you talk to any other MSPs in the area? You know, do you guys have any kind of network? And he said, he's like, to be honest with you, no. He's like, we see the states where there is kind of that community and there's that channel. He's like, I really wish that it was the same kind of thing here, but it's sort of like, you know, it, it, it's everybody for themselves kind of thing. Hmm. And I think that that that's a key thing on our end as far as the channel being able to actually communicate with each other and be able to share resources and have things like this where you have other vendors, you know, other MSPs that are talking to each other. So like, I really think there's a huge benefit to those movers and shakers that are trying to put resources out there. I don't have anybody specific off the top of my head. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to press you for that behind the scenes. Okay. Cause I want to bring on, and they don't need to be in the channel, by the way, they don't need to be, you know, I brought on Eric Bam last week who is, he sells uh, the these cool liners for pizza boxes that keep the crust crispy. Oh, nice. Like, so that when you get delivery, it, it's a really cool thing. And he's awesome, but he's not in the channel. He knows nothing about selling technology, but he added a ton of value. Mm-hmm. Taking that outside perspective, I think there's a lot of value in that learning from people who are selling anything. So it doesn't have to be in the channel. Uh, so I'm going to press you on that. 
and that's my my final question for everybody who's <laughs> guest on the show is is bring me more guests. So All right. we could do that. But thanks for being on, John. I'm going to have you back on again because you're awesome, and uh, I love chatting with you about this and and learn so much when you're on here. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me for the Thanksgiving special too. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Right. It was really more to give Frank uh, De Benedetto, who is always with me on Friday at 2 p.m. when we do our live. We do what we call it, the weekly sales wrap. Um, so I figured I'd give him the day off. So I, I switched you <laughs> for that for that time slot. But uh, yeah, this was a great Thanksgiving special. Very cool.